Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome listeners, it's a marvellous Friday and what better way to spend your evening or to kickstart your day with a terrifying story about a mechanically demonically infused monster. We discovered where Mr. TikTok came from and how he became what everyone now fears, but now we see the story finish with a fantastic flourish. Let me just say it won't end the way you might expect it to end. And mates, listen to this story in private, it's not a tale for little ears. It contains sexual content and physical abuse. Just before we start, thank you Fee Stringer for such a well-crafted story and I'm so glad you enjoyed the first part. Let's all dig into the finale. Turn the lights off, turn the sound up, and with a click and a clack, watch your back. Why were all the victims' remains found in a puddle of water? The student asked the professor, as the building loomed closer against the dark clouded backdrop of the night sky. I believe it's what's left after it extracts its iron and other nutrition from the blood. It's a byproduct of what's left over from what it eats, he said, pausing for a moment to catch his breath. They found it around the bodies of Mary's classmates too, the student added. When their bodies were found in the gardens a few days ago, if I hadn't been there checking in on Mary, we would not even have known where to start. Yes, the professor agreed. It was good that you weren't detected, and that Mary hadn't arrived yet. Although her absence only seemed to delay this abduction, instead of preventing it, unfortunately. The student thought back to the scene he had come across. If he had arrived but a moment sooner than he had, he might have died as well. They had evidently decided to meet in the garden to go over some of their botanical studies late in the afternoon. The student had heard of their meetings and decided to drop by and accidentally see Mary there. But she had not been filling up to the meeting. The screams of the young ladies as they were out of view still echoed in his mind. All three of Mary's classmates upon the student's arrival to the garden were in various states of recent mutilation. One's body was in a condition much like the two male victims from earlier in the week. Her skull and part of her torso partially ground up and all fluids drained from her body and then the water that remained vomited out next to her in a small puddle. Another's leg had been devoured and mutilated up to the lower part of her thigh. The marks on her opposing ankle suggested that she had been picked up and held by the monster as he murdered her. The last body had been consumed with violence in two places, her lower arm missing its hand and tears in the clothing around the chest, suggesting she may have broken free and run for a few steps before being captured again moments later and then finished off on the shoulder to just above the heart. All of the remains were found drained of all moisture, with a maddening puddle of water close by, their white dresses torn and dotted with blood and filth, with rust stains and machine oil spotting parts of the clothing. The student had seen the schoolboy and the tall, well-dressed fiend leaving the garden. The student had rushed to Mary's in a panic. Her father had not reacted well to the exasperated young man 
showing up on his daughter's doorstep with a crazed story of a metallic clockwork beast. So disturbed and angered by the student, he had threatened that if he ever returned or saw his daughter again, that he would fetch his firearm and shoot the student full of lead. The door had been slammed in the student's face before any further pleading or explanation could be given. Mary's father's normally cold steel eyes burned with molten spite at him as he slammed the door in the student's face. The door struck the frame and the brass locks clicked in their slots to compound the message. This wall of rejection is what forced the student to turn to his habitually skeptical science professor and mentor for further assistance in the horrific matter. The schoolboy barely recognized the irony of Mr. TikTok dabbing his metal mouth with his handkerchief after devouring people. His mind was in other places, wondering at the implications of having a friend such as Mr. TikTok that had no qualms about committing acts of heinous violence on his behalf. Mary Cromwell was what he wanted now, more than anything. He was three years younger than she, and he had no experience of the heart. But one thing he has learned from watching people was that they respected power above all else. And looking up at his powerful ticking friend, he was sure that he had that now. The wet gate screeched and squealed when the schoolboy and Mr. TikTok opened it to walk onto the Cromwell property. He had followed her home countless times before to this location, and he knew where it was by heart. The schoolboy's face was as still as a stopped watch as they approached the house. He was sure that even that ridiculous student that had grown fond of Mary would not have any means to stop him now. He knocked on the door and took a step back, already hearing the engines of mutilation beginning to churn within Mr. TikTok. He had been very explicit about bringing no harm to Mary whatsoever, and Mr. TikTok had nodded and then bowed courteously in understanding. He did not care about anyone else who happened to be there, and he knew that her father was always the one to open the door when a stranger called. The grizzled but well-dressed older man opened the door. Yes, he said with a scowl on his face. The scowl quickly turned to surprise when Mr. TikTok's hand passed through his midsection and solidly gripped Mary Cromwell's father's spine. The student and the professor had arrived at the Cromwell's home a short time after the horrible events. The professor had decided that since the student's warning had not been heeded by Miss Cromwell's father, he must return. And perhaps with a more scholarly person present, her father might listen and take action to ensure his daughter's safety. It was immediately evident, from the open door and the remains of Mary's father in the foyer, that they had arrived too late. There was no sign of Mary anywhere on the premises, and luckily, no sign that she had been harmed either. The fear of his lovely Mary had overwhelmed him. The professor had spent several minutes calming him and convincing him that they must gather what they knew and return armed to pick up the trail of the monster and his prey. The combination of rain and mud had made the creature's footsteps easy to follow, as its metallic weight left very clear imprint in the mud. That trail had died quickly as it reached the walkway. Let me test a theory based on what we know about this mechanical adversary, the professor said, reaching into his bag. His hand reappeared with a compass, 
Yes, my lad. We have it. The student stared at him in utter confusion. The thing leaves a trail of magnetism. You see? The needle moved with a certainty when the professor held it above the walkway where the muddy tracks had ended. We just need now but to follow it. The professor and the student both stopped at a street corner opposite a large factory. Its shadowy blackened walls revealing no light, like the sooty surface of a cast iron stove. They both knew that fear would accompany them from this point on as a constant, but neither of them felt deterred. The moment they made their first step on the factory steps leading to the entrance, they heard a sound. It was a scream cutting through the obstruction of the wall and the din of the pouring rain, like a scythe through wheat. It was a scream of terror, mixed with pain, mixed with a thousand other terrible emotions that no one had the fortitude to name. The professor and the student exchanged a panicked look and entered the abandoned fortress. The air was full of dust, and almost immediately both the professor and the student noted the chalky smell and metallic taste in their mouths. The professor reached into his bag and produced two small electric lanterns. After handing one to the student, he smiled and said, Well, this is the reason you brought me, right? To think of things like this. The professor drew his revolver and the student reached down on the ground and found a length of pipe. The sound of the rain on the roof of the factory caused the constant noise which enveloped the background ambience of the abandoned industrial structure. Sounding like a relentless and shaking chain, or never-ending rattle of screws and nails falling onto sheets of steel. The student heard another sound that somehow had emerged from the harsh acoustics of the place. It was a moan, or a scream, coming from deeper within the building. The student's muscles tensed at hearing this sound, and he whispered, Mary! Oh God! The student and the professor wound through the labyrinth structure for what seemed like an eternity, all the while hearing what only could have been Mary's voice, panting and stressed, her cries echoing from all directions. The professor, seeing the student's urge to yell a response to her, quickly raised his hand to stop him. Surprise may be one of the few things we have on our side, lad. The student's eyes were watering, but he understood the need for strategy. They emerged into a slightly larger chamber, the lights from the lanterns doing decidedly too little to illuminate the space. The student then stepped on something softer than the brick floor and nearly fell over. The light revealed more remains. No, he muttered, taking another step back. The professor knelt down the woman's sound still reaching their location. It's not Miss Cromwell, he said, looking more closely. It's a male. I suspect this person was responsible for the first unfortunate scream we heard from outside. The corpse had been drained like the others, the customary pool of water next to it. This one, however, seemed to have a degree of additional extra violence to it. Several areas had been punctured and three of the four limbs had been devoured. The student found himself vomiting at the sight. He heard a particularly loud scream then, from what sounded like a few rooms away, snapping him out of the sickening state he had been trapped within. The student could restrain himself no longer, picking up the pipe 
He ran down the corridor towards the source of the sound, now ominously silent. The student heard the professor's statement only partially as he ran into the darkness. Wait, lad! This body has a bu The student finally reached the main factory floor, where there was more light, but not much. The student's eyes darted around desperately for a sign of some sort, either of Mary or of danger. Something white on the floor caught the light of his lantern, and he heard breathing. He swallowed and made his way forward. It was Mary, her torn and tattered dress exposing her flesh. She was breathing heavily, covered in sweat, eyes closed, with small cuts and bruises visible on her skin. Every fear the student had about the terrible blasphemous things that he imagined the schoolboy and his beast to do to her were falling through his mind like a cascade of knives. Mary! He yelled in anguish, his love, his reason for going on, used, violated and discarded on the floor like a piece of rubbish. He was at once relieved that she still lived and disgusted at her attackers not even giving her the dignity of death to relieve her humiliation and pain. Lad! The student heard the professor's voice calling from the other side of the factory floor. If you can hear me, it's worse than we thought. It killed him, lad. It killed the schoolboy. The corpse in the other room had the birthmark you described. There is nothing stopping it now from ending Mary's life. And if the boy was protecting her at all, he could not protect her any longer. Click, click, work. Clunk, click. The student whipped around quickly, pipe in hand, swinging it at the dark figure behind him. With very little apparent effort, Mr. TikTok caught the weapon with one hand, quickly disarming the student, who wisely let go and hurriedly backed away. Mr. TikTok cocked his head to his right side again, like a dog studying something it needed to understand more, and then started to advance. The student looked into the ever-widening opening that was Mr. TikTok's mouth, a vortex of frightening implements. The student then realized that in his backing away, he had cornered himself, his back against a titanic piece of no longer used machinery. Rev! Clickety clickety clack clack. The student began to wince as the arm approached. The sound of the gun being fired cracked the brittle air, abruptly stopping Mr. TikTok's approach. His mouth closed, and he turned to observe the source of the gunfire. The professor was about six meters away and held the revolver confidently in his hands, firing two more shots, clearly striking Mr. TikTok in the face as the lead of the bullet sparked when striking the metal of his jaw, causing a small dent. The next round passing through the clothing of his chest, but the dull thud of the metal on metal beneath the cloth of the suit verified its impact. Mr. TikTok's body turned to face his new opponent, and his head cocked again in the same curious fashion, this time to the left instead of the right. Realizing the gun had almost no effect, the professor tossed it aside and began to back up himself, dropping his bag and fumbling with his jacket pockets. The student watched in horror, attempting to think of a way to injure the creature. When Mary stirred, she moaned weakly as he rushed over to her. Darling, she said. The student knelt quickly at her side, 
Her torn white dress and exposed body once again brought a tear to his eye. Yes, Mary, yes, I'm here. Now please. He began to hoist her up. We must get you to safety. Her eyes met his with a look of utter bewilderment. Then she saw over his shoulder the struggling professor, held in the air by his throat. The student turned and saw the scene of violence, the creature's horrible oral opening about to indulge on the professor. But the professor had managed to pull the pin on the explosive that he had carried and now held it in his hand. Protect the girl! He managed to wheeze out despite the hold on his neck. Mr. TikTok's monocle fell out of his eye as he took notice of the lit explosives inches away from his body. The student threw his body over Mary to shield her from any debris. No! She managed to scream before the explosion drowned out all sound and shook the room. The sounds of Mr. TikTok had stopped. The professor lay dead next to the machine creature under a pile of rubble consisting of steel beams and concrete. The roof had partially collapsed. The only sound within the smoke and dust now was Mary's sobbing softly in the arms of the student. He held her tightly, looking her over once more to make sure no additional harm had come to her. And then he gently set her back down. He walked over the battered, bloodied remains of the professor and swallowed. She is safe now, Professor. I owe you everything, and I... A loud bang cut short his farewell to his mentor. He looked down at his shirt and saw the colour of deep red spreading on the white cloth, mixing with the dust and filth into a fine rust colour. The student turned and saw Mary standing there, the professor's discarded revolver smoking in her hand. She looked at him with such blackened iron hatred, and he barely felt the pain of the bullet hole in him as he collapsed to his knees. Mary! What? He could not speak, so she spoke instead. You fool! He loved me. He protected me even from that indignant little boy who wanted to possess me. And you fools killed him! She took a step forward and continued. Mr. TikTok, rid me of all petty things that you and those like you forced upon me. His very existence is a promise to worlds and knowledge that you could not imagine. She then spoke more quietly, each word filled with spite. He took me to realms of ecstasy that you could never dream of. The realization that moans and screams he heard were of sexual pleasure. The tattered clothing she wore as well as her exhaustion were a result of coital passion. Dawned on his face as she fired two more shots into the metal in his body ending his life. Click, click, whirr, clunk. The sound of Mr. TikTok still alive and moving out of the rubble turned Mary Cromwell's tears from sorrow to joy. What a great tale. Mr. TikTok, written by Fee Stringer. Thank you, mate, for your story submission. 
and it was a pleasure to narrate this tale. I also have another one of your stories, mate, in the backlog, so I can't wait to get to that tale also. Cheers, Fee. And mates, if you want to send a story through just like Fee, you can do so by emailing me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. That's the best way to reach me. Lastly, if you have a couple of seconds to spare, swing on over to my iTunes page and leave an iTunes review. Your ratings help this podcast find more awesome people like yourselves. Now it's time to acknowledge my living legends that keep this podcast improving by leaps and bounds. It's because of these legends, the Ode Night Tea Titans, the White Tea Warlords, and the Elgrain Forces that allow me to use new music and to continue to host the show. So if you consider supporting the podcast, you'll see your support fly straight back into the podcast. Okay, mates, let's jump into our tales. First up, my Ode Night Tea Titans. Maya, Mita, and the Mechanical Mushroom. In a land where power is measured by how many arms you have, how high you can jump, or how quickly you can shank a bearded rabbit, it's easy to see how the odds can be randomly stacked against us poor humans. Now it doesn't help that in the land of Huta, the dividing grounds between magic and the physical world is constantly at war with each other. Who knew that a small human child would alter the universe with one simple discovery? The mechanical mushroom. Mita loves nothing but to explore, and in a world of chaos and strange oddities, Mita lives for the chance to find something new. She was strolling through the forest made of seaweed, aptly named Waverly Wicker, when she stumbled across a small mushroom. It glowed at her touch and oddly uprooted itself and flopped into her hand. She thought nothing of this and placed it in her pocket, as yet another oddity of this world. Walking further into this seaweed-dense forest, she lost her way. This hasn't been the first time, but if she wasn't careful, it would be her last. Cornered by four car beasts, think spheres with whips for arms. She was outnumbered and overpowered. That's when she reached her hand out to defend herself, only to find that it turns out that little mushroom never did let go of her hand and had bonded itself into her palm. Terrified more of the mushroom at this point than the beasts, she began flailing, unknowingly spouting out little gray spores into the earth. Those spores grew and grew into mushroom soldiers. Mita watched in amazement as the beasts were filled, and she returned to safety. To this day, Mita sells her mechanical monsters, and her mushroom provides her an endless source of creative juice and defense. Solstra, Retta, and the Threadless Cult Down the many dark cracks of the universe lies the Cult of the Threadless. No one is safe, and it's every living creature for itself. But in the secluded cave of Matrak is a threadless screw, coveted for its intense power to charm, but also replicate. But no one really knows what exactly it does. Regarding replication, through her shady sources, Retta was able to locate the cult and begin infiltrating, bringing gifts of smaller threadless screws as a decoy for the cult to covet. You see, this cult worshipped the threadless, anything threadless, and would always acknowledge the strange power it had to replicate anything metal that it touched. Retta was slowly getting to the truth of what this relic could do. Simply touch the threadless screw to a metal object, place it down, and watch it first bubble, then split. Retta wanted this relic, and she knew she had to be fast, sneaking behind the worshippers and placing a drug in their water supply, returning the next day to find the cult unconscious, and the screw free for the taking. In her haste, her eagerness to own the relic, she instinctually reached out to grab it with metal gloves. 
bubble, bubble, and then ear-piercing screams. It was only a couple seconds later that Retta realized those screams were coming from her. As Retta's gloves split between her flesh, merging skin and bone with various steel alloys, a lesson learned that day. And a quick one, because while she was screaming, the cult was waking up. Two quick leaps of dexterity and agonizing pain, Retta was up the crevices and into her ship. Careful not to drop the relic lest the ship split in two, and that would be a terrible fate being crushed between both ship walls. And to this day, Retta is a reseller of rare metallic materials, but no one seems to know where she keeps finding them. Mates, today I wanted to share two more weird tales, this time of devices changing a life, and also a nod to the motif of mechanical tools and mechanical devices taking on a life of their own, directly or indirectly. The mushroom represents the infinite growth as a strange mechanical parasite, and the threadless screw is the infinite possibility of metallic reproduction, with specific rules in its use. Hope you liked them, mates, and thank you so much for your ongoing support. As always, not one episode goes up without me thinking of your support. Now, for my brilliant white tea warlords. I own Cal's Cyber Mallet. Hydra was his name, but he has had many aliases in the past. Iron Fist, Rock Launcher, and even Bovine Battle Warrior. Now, Hydra goes under a different alias. It's Cyber Mallet. Living through the ages as a cybernetic warrior whose organs are almost wholly supplanted by cow organs, he's learned how to live in harsh and unyielding environments that seem to worsen every decade. Although ancient, he has noticed that it wasn't always like this, and new wars threaten his lifestyle constantly. In fact, in the War of the Redlands, he lost almost half his body to the red gas that the soldiers were exposed to that day. Now, there's a new war emerging, the Alter Gas Wars, that the populace uses to clean their air. Cyber Mallet thinks this is just a matter of time before he's back on the field, as a survivor and as a warrior. In saying this, Cyber Mallet is seen as a villain by some, but a hero by most. His trademark is a giant mallet attached to his back that he removes, attaches to his arm, and wields like a mammoth sledgehammer. His swings are automated by artificial intelligence and this accuracy guided by computerized calculations. A balance of the organic and the cybernetic. Cyber Mallet is the cyborg you want in your court. And when the next Red War comes, where the fight of Alter Gas is at its worst, you'll know who to call. Lee Bauer, Art of Intelligence. A master painter is what Lee is, a skillful artist, wicked with the brush, and a curator of fine arts. But he has a hidden talent. He is a specialty hacker and hides in plain sight. Each painting he creates has within it a hidden visual code, a sort of Q code inside the oils and the paint itself tucked away within nanotechnology, hidden away in the materials of his arts. And this is where Lee shines, his artwork and gathering intel. Each painting he sells maps the house that they're in, using resonant ink to gather and share data across physical relays that reside in the painting frames and their inks. Each brush stroke deploys nanobots into the very painting itself. Every sale of his paintings from a would-be buyer increases the accuracy and data integrity of his intelligence. In other words, he's able to case the joint easily. Now, Lee doesn't work alone. He has a troop to capture and redistribute the wealth, a sort of modern-day Robin Hood, breaking into the houses of the wealthy and knowing exactly where the crown jewels lie.
No one suspects Leo of this ploy, and no one ever will. I wonder, though, would you happen to have any paintings with the signature L.B.? Mates, thank you both, as always, for supporting this podcast. I really hoped you enjoyed today's tales. I went for a split of warfare and rogue stories today. To shake it up a bit, thank you so much, mates, for your brilliant support. And of course, my Earl Grey enforcers, Joss Heather, Lorraine Crisanto, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Divided by Zero, Tristan Cassidy, and Dolphin Cow. Mates, thank you all so much for your support. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, stay lovely, and I can't wait till next week where me and you can listen to some more tales from the old time era and also some more Dracula stories. No plug from me today, I just want you to chill and have a good time. Take it easy, mates. And as always, till next week.